Welcome to the Resting Pendulum. I am Peter Codius, your host. Our music is under license from scottholmesmusic.com. Season 4, Episode 9, Control and Its Facets, The Greatest Lie, The Disingenuous CDC, Khrushchev's Words. The Narrative Controlling the narrative, the people, and democracy? The narrative as a noun, a presentation of real-world events that connects them in a story-like way. As an adjective, from the Latin narrare, which is also the base of narrate, telling the facts of a story. In either case, we have been lied to by the mainstream media, big tech, the healthcare industry, and our government itself, as they have all perhaps independently colluded to deceive us into believing story after story that is factually untrue. The Greatest Lie. This topic is courtesy of Wayne Bailiff of TNL Photojournalists by way of my friend A.S. in Dark Blue, Connecticut. In the opinion of The Resting Pendulum, there is one lie above the rest. That lie is that XYZ which is made up of conservatives, pro-Trump voters, and others that love God and country, is trying to dismantle, destroy, harm, upset our democracy. You may be asking, why is it a lie, and why is this so important? Well, the why has a simple answer. That is, we, the United States of America, is not and never has been a democracy. Swallow that for a second. In fact, the word democracy does not appear even a single time in our Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, the Articles of Confederation, zero, nada, zip, never, not a single mention of the word democracy. You're asking, well, how can that be true when we hear time and time again from the mainstream media and elected members of Congress, including the President of the United States and the justices on the Supreme Court of the United States, that we have a democratic form of government. Because it is, and furthermore, the United States of America was specifically founded to intentionally avoid a democratic form of government. We are a republic, not a democracy. 
And even with the ratification of the 17th Amendment to our Constitution, which I will explain in a while, we never were even close to a democracy. In fact, the United States of America is a Republican form of government. How's that for a shocker? You may have to listen carefully, but you see, democracies only exist by mob rule. Republics succeed by the sum of its separate and sovereign parts. This is precisely why we have an electoral college. The whole point of the Constitution was to avoid tyranny, whether from the top or the bottom, tyranny of the majority or mobocracy is what the founders wanted to avoid as much as they ended royalty, nobility, and tyranny from the top or from anywhere. The best protection for minorities is to not allow mobocracy, lynch mob democracy, which is what we see today in Portland, Seattle, Minneapolis, New York, and other Democrat-run states and cities. The Constitution gave us a republic, not a lynch mob democracy. So what is a republic, and why should you even care? Well, we're being intentionally fooled. Fooled by the media, fooled by most of the politicians, and fooled by our education system. From kindergarten through graduate school, when one is fooled to the point of believing the lies, it's game over. And just look where we are today. Their constant drone tells us that the United States is a democracy, but it is not true. I will say again, the United States of America is a constitutional republic. The difference is distinct and very important to all of us. All the Democrats, all the Republicans, all the independents, and the growing uninstructed and often ignorant public. But do not fall for it. A democracy is a form of government that is designed and managed by the majority. Political philosophers have identified its weakness and dangers over the last 2,000 years, and everyone has agreed that it is a form of government that is bound to fail. The brilliant men who wrote our Constitution took a great effort to keep us away from a democracy. If you study the journals of the conventions, you will find several times that they purposefully designed against our being a democracy. A democracy is dangerous for any nation because it gives ultimate power to the masses. The poor will always outnumber the rich. So the poor will eventually use their numbers to vote to take the homes, the money, and assets from those economically better off than themselves, and eventually the society collapses. This isn't opinion, it's recorded history. 
the father of the Constitution, James Madison, addressed the problems of democracy, which he called governments of the popular form in Federalist Number 10, which may be the most important of all the Federalist papers that were written. I'll cite a little of his words here. Hence, it is that such democracies have ever been spectacles of turbulence and contention, have ever been found incompatible with personal security or the rights of property, and have in general been as short in their lives as they have been violent in their deaths. End of his quote. Our constitutional republic is different. We have a foundation of government sent by our Constitution. All laws created by the government must be in consonance with its constitutional design. The Constitution is purposely difficult to change because an amendment requires the approval of two-thirds vote of both the Senate and the House of Representatives plus the ratification of three-fourths of the state legislatures to succeed. The philosophy of our Constitution was to bind the states together in a very limited measure, with the federal government having little control over the internal operations of each state. The job of the federal government constitutionally, was to represent the states in matters of national scope, such as wars, national emergencies, and international affairs. It has ballooned to be a monster. Within our original Constitution, we do find one area of populist input, and that is the House of Representatives because its members are elected to short two-year terms which reflect the popular sentiment of the people of the states they represent. But the Senate was far different in its design. Its members were originally appointed by state legislatures, so the states officially had influence in the legislative and the appointment processes of the federal government. Directly from the Tenth Amendment, states' rights, the federal government has only those powers delegated to it by the Constitution, and that all other powers not forbidden to the states by the Constitution are reserved to each state. But those senators that started disappeared when the Seventeenth Amendment was ratified in 1913 because that amendment changed the senators to ones who were elected by popular vote of the people of a state instead of their elected legislatures. And with that amendment, we now have political party senators instead of state-appointed senators. As the resting pendulum has pointed out before, the only group that is elected by a simple majority of votes cast in a state. That change set some forces in motion which took a while before they gained enough power to vandalize our republic. Why? Well, all presidential appointments, all nominations for the judiciary, all treaties and all legislation must receive 
Senate approval. With the new 17th Amendment, party politics had become more important than our Constitution. Because of this, we now have Supreme Court of the United States justices who often ignore the 10th Amendment despite their swearing an oath to preserve, protect, and defend our Constitution. The 17th Amendment was a blow to our Republican form of government. Its goal was to cure state corruption, but it actually only moved the corruption from the state houses to the national forum. But there is still one substantial element left in our Republican form of government, the Electoral College. That system was designed to have our states decide the president, not the popular vote of the people. Again, this was to avoid the power of the mob. If we lose the Electoral College, it will empower the swamp, which is composed of government bureaucrats, politicians, attorneys, educators, and other services that have become more powerful and prospered with the incredible growth of our out-of-control federal government. So that brings us to the bottom line. The Founding Fathers designed a republic that makes it difficult to change and difficult for corruption to take hold. But as our government takes on more features of a democracy and submits itself to the power by the mob, it incites change and encourages corruption. And I've said this before, and I believe it deep in my heart, the United States of America is one of the most corrupt countries in the history of the world. Climate change. We're going to die in 12 years. That was in 1990, Mr. Gore. We're on our, what, what are we, on our fourth iteration already of dying through climate change? And what are they doing now? They're, uh, think about how stupid this is. They're buying oil from foreign countries and then paying, paying the foreign country to ship it here with fossil fuel burning ships to shove into the atmosphere more pollution while they're shutting down our ability to drill. Is that stupid? That's beyond stupid. It's way beyond stupid. The dumbest moron in the room knows better than that. Now you have a better understanding of why federal politicians push us toward a democracy and how those same politicians and their partners in big government and big business become wealthy as they work us into that system. We must stop the push toward socialism and democracy. It sounds good, but it's not good. If our nation is to survive as the United States of America, a place where today any citizen is free to move to and prosper in any state that subscribes to their own beliefs and their own personal values, all under the protection of the Constitution and the power of the federal government. Think about it. Did you hear about the uh, CDC changing the definitions of the two words vaccine and vaccinated? Well, they did. I have mentioned uh, several times 
uh, on my podcast, The Epic Times, for good reason. It is one of the few, perhaps the only, media source that reliably reaches out and finds facts. An example for the, this story is using a freedom of information request. They have in their possession a 67-page litany of emails which came from within the CDC to change the definition of the words vaccine and vaccination. Yet, even though we have those changes, some other portions of the CDC website still state that COVID-19 vaccines confer immunity. One page, for instance, states that, and I quote, getting a COVID-19 vaccination is a safer and more dependable way to build immunity to COVID-19 than it is to build immunity by getting sick with COVID-19. The changes that I'm talking about were pushed through a while ago, way back on August 31st and September 1st, 2021. But you didn't hear about them, did you? Vaccine is now defined as, I quote, a preparation that is used to stimulate the body's immune response against diseases. Vaccines are usually administered through needle injections, but some can be administered by mouth or sprayed into the nose. That's the current definition. The previous definition was, and I quote, a product that stimulates a person's immune system to produce, get ready, immunity to a specific disease, protecting the person from that disease. Vaccines are usually administered through needle injections, but can also be administered by mouth or sprayed into the nose. Now, the word vaccination was changed to the act of introducing a vaccine into the body to produce protection from a specific disease from the act of introducing a vaccine into the body to produce immunity to a specific disease. Now, uh, attorney Travis Miller obtained some of the missives in 2021, and, and then he went and published screenshots of them. At the time, the CDC did not dispute their authenticity. The Epic Times, as I said, has obtained the emails that go along with these changes, all 67 pages of them. And the interesting thing is, uh, Andrew, a CDC employee on the agency's vaccine task force, boosted a Washington Post article that downplayed criticism of these two changes. And this is interesting, the response he gets. I've only seen a couple of inquiries about the change to this page. I think the Washington Post article explains the problem well, that people are misinterpreting immunity to mean 100% protection, he wrote. The reply he got? Well, thank you, Andrew. We really appreciate your response. The CDC, with their spokesman, told the Epic Times after they broke the story that the slight changes in wording 
haven't altered the overall definition of the words vaccine and vaccination, noting that the previous definition at immunization basics, CDC could be interpreted to mean that vaccines were 100% effective, which was never the case for any vaccine. So the current definition is much more transparent and also describes the ways in which vaccinations can be administered. Yet, still rude today that some other portions of the CDC website continue to state that COVID-19 vaccines confer immunity. One page, for example, states, getting a COVID-19 vaccination as I said before, is a more dependable way to build immunity to COVID-19. You've heard this stuff a lot from me. A very good friend of mine uh, in Carefree and I were were very involved in uh, assimilating the facts that were coming out of the CDC from the get-go on COVID. And believe me, they've been inconsistent all along. And I've said this before, we'll continue to say it as long as I'm breathing breath on this planet. Dr. Fauci has lied from the first day, and he is lying today. He is a flat-out liar. And so are all of his scientists that stand up behind him. Why are they lying? Because he's doling out hundreds of millions of your tax dollars to them. That's why. I received an email recently from my friend in Prescott, Arizona, M.M., an excerpt of which I'm going to share with you. This is a quote. Listen carefully. Once the herd accepts mandatory vaccinations, it's game over. They will accept anything, forcible blood tests or organ donation. Why? For the greater good. We can genetically modify children and sterilize them. Why? For the greater good. Control sheep minds and you control the herd. Vaccine makers stand to make billions, and many of you in this room are investors. It's a big win-win. We thin out the herd, and the herd pay us for the extermination services. If you insert this diabolic quote of promotion of vaccines and then join this with the admitted facts from Fauci's gain-of-function work, which weaponized COVID in the beginning, and the evildoers provide the solution in a vaccine format, not only do we have motive and collusion to promote the world's grandest conspiracy, but we also have these despicable men intentionally harming the United States, the world, and our children. Now, that beginning quote from the mouth of Henry Kissinger in a speech that he gave to the World Health Organization Eugenics Council on February 25th, 2009. And you think there's no plan? And you think they don't have this under control? along with you and I, well, you'd be wrong. Get ready. Monkeypox, another gay man disease, is on the way. Anything could happen. Remember Nikita Khrushchev? Many of you may not. But he was the uh, premier of uh, Russia when it was the Soviet Union. And uh, 
he wasn't a big fan of the United States either. But many people uh, dispute the factual representation of what is widely attributed to him uh, when he made this statement in 1959 on the future of the United States of America. The quote, albeit disputed by many on the left, has been confirmed by one Ezra Taft Benson, the former Secretary of Agriculture from 1953 to 1961, and later the leader of the Church of Latter-day Saints from 1985 until his death in 1994. He stated that he heard it firsthand from the premier. And from where I'm sitting, he's a pretty reliable witness. What is most interesting to the resting pendulum is, after reading it again, it appears to be pretty close to the state of things in the United States today. Let's revisit the statement and the words that were never disputed, including Saul Alinsky's doctrine. Now, here's the quote from Khrushchev. Your children's children will live under communism. You Americans are so gullible. No, you won't accept communism outright, but we will keep feeding you small doses of socialism until you will finally wake up one day and find you already have communism. We will not have to fight you. We will so weaken your economy until you will fall over like a ripe fruit directly into our hands. The democracy will cease to exist when you take away from those who are willing to work and give to those who would not. Look about you. See the signs. Help wanted, help wanted, help wanted, help wanted. The country of Argentina, just in the last few days, it's literally collapsing on its own communist framework. Less than 40% of the people in Argentina are even willing to work. They want handouts. They expect the government to take care of them. And if you don't believe any of the things I'm saying, get off your chair and look it up. If, in fact, socialism leads to communism, what is the best way to create a socialist state? According to Saul Alinsky, one of Obama's favorite mentors, there are eight levels of control. And here's that recipe. Listen carefully. Number one, health care. Control health care and you control the people. Number two, poverty. Increase the poverty level as high as possible. Poor people are easier to control and will not, never fight back if you're providing everything for them. Number three, debt. Increase the national debt to an unsustainable level. That way, you are able to increase taxes and this will eventually produce more poverty. Number four, gun control. Remove the ability to defend themselves from the government. That way, you are able to create a police state. Number five, welfare. Take control of every aspect, food, housing, income of their lives, because that will make them fully dependent on the government. Number six, education. Take control over what people read and listen to and take control over what children learn in school. 
Number seven, religion. Remove the belief in God from the government and all schools because the people need to believe in only the government, knowing what is best for the people. Number eight, class warfare. Divide the people into the wealthy and the poor. Eliminate the middle class. This will cause more discontent, and it will be easier to tax the wealthy with the support of the poor. Think about this, folks. Eight specific bullet points. And what do they make? They make a perfect parallel to the Democrat agenda. In fact, it's almost identical to their platform in 2020, what they called the Manifesto that they adopted at their Democrat Party convention in 2020. Look it up. Final thoughts. Do you remember when President Donald Trump wanted to add the citizenship question to the 2020 census and was shot down for his method by the Supreme Court of the United States? Democrats and the left went bonkers, claiming that he was only trying to suppress the vote of many people living in the USA by asking that question. Now we know the final result of that census by a report provided by the Census Bureau itself. The Census Bureau has issued a report detailing how a number of states were undercounted while other states were overcounted. The states that were undercounted included Arkansas, Florida, Illinois, Mississippi, Tennessee, and Texas, all but one of which voted twice for Trump in the last two presidential elections. The states that were overcounted include Delaware, Hawaii, Massachusetts, Minnesota, New York, Ohio, Rhode Island, and Utah, six of which are Democrat strongholds. Now, why does this make a difference, undercounting and overcounting? It makes a difference because that's exactly how the House of Representatives is allocated. Losses in population cost you seats in the House. Gains in population adds seats in the House. It's already acknowledged that Arizona was cheated out of one seat this past cycle because it was undercounted. According to Census Bureau Director Robert Santos, achieving an accurate count for all 50 states and D.C. is always a difficult endeavor, and these results suggest it was difficult again in 2020, particularly given the unprecedented challenges we faced. The data suggests that voters who twice voted to elect Trump over Democrat candidates were most likely to be undercounted in the 2020 census than voters who backed Democrats against Trump in the last two elections. So why not? Was there any outrage at the methods used by several states that altered their voting laws under the cover of COVID-19? So what resulted? The distribution of congressional representatives is faulty. And that will not be fixed for at least 10 more years. Thank you for listening. And remember, every day when you awake, commit to doing the right thing the right way for the right reason. Until next time.